0: What is up, everybody? Jay Miller here. This is the pitch show. This is kind of one of those weird pitch shows. This is, you're probably hearing this on Thanksgiving. Um, If you're anything like me, uh, you're not hanging out with family. And if you're anything like me, that can not necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, But if for some reason, you know, or if, you know, you just have a big family that you live with and you just need to kind of get away, uh, I hope that this interview is something that you can use as uh, as respite and uh, hopefully you learn a, a thing or two. but peanut butter says hi peanut butter is my uh, cat. she is she's just doing her thing patrolling the hallways on this evening. but this week uh, we already put out one episode, one episode where I talked a lot about the kind of a health checkup. That episode went a little long, longer than I thought it should or would, and uh, because of that, you're getting the interview in a second episode. Let me know if you prefer it this way. We were doing this for a while, where it was like one week you get like my thoughts, and the next week you get an interview. Honestly, I didn't like it that much. That's why we kind of stopped. And I keep saying we like there's five other people doing the show. It's kind of that's why I stopped, uh, but. At the same time, I would be okay with doing the work to have kind of an interview episode and then like a solo thoughts episode that runs a little bit longer. Maybe post my notes for the uh, the solo episode with it, give you a little social media content for it. But I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Like I said, I hope you're having a happy Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S., I hope you're having a happy Thursday if you're anywhere else in the world. Um, but my guest this week was Addison Oliveira. I interviewed Addison a few months back uh, right after I was a guest on his show. Uh, I will have a link to that in the show notes, mine or his interview with me, my interview with him. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, me talking on his show, I'll have a link to the in the show notes for that. Uh, Addison's a, a adjunct professor and he is also creating a bunch of content for his students and also trying to figure out this whole how do i teach people how to do the coding thing you know without being a teacher because he he highlights some issues uh with the education with the formal education system and we kind of go back and forth on that but of course, here is my interview and afterwards, the after show with Addison Oliveira. I am talking with Addison Oliveira. Adderson is an adjunct professor at Centennial College, as well as the host of the Solo Coder podcast. Adderson, how are you doing today? I'm so
1: good. and so glad to be here, Jay. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: Well, I am excited to get to know a little bit more about you. And I have a head start on my audience, so please catch everyone that's listening up with a little bit about what you do.
1: Okay, so... In short, I'm a teacher. I'm an instructor. I'm... uh, I guide students and, you know, students from a a broad perspective, not only face-to-face students, which we no longer have, but also online students where I also teach on Udemy. So, in short, I am an instructor. I am uh, a professor, uh, a coder professor, you know.
0: I often talked with people who are either just developers, full-time developers. I've talked with a couple of people who are uh, instructors. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked to someone who is a, a, well, actually i take that back. I have. I just talked to someone who is a teacher, but not someone who for the primary thing that they're doing um, in some ways is instructing people it's often like a an accessory onto what they're doing so how much of what you're doing professionally is the the art of teaching
1: 90 percent of my time is instructing either the traditional model that you just introduced me as a, as a college professor so either as a college professor or as an online structure. So 90% of my time is dedicated to that. The other 10%, I have some side projects that I work with. I have some clients on the side that I work with. But again, 90% of my time is instructing, creating content, grading students. Actually, right before we came to this conversation, I was actually grading students.
0: Has the desire to write code for yourself kind of, Faded over time, or is it is it just you enjoy teaching people more than you enjoy like getting in and solving your own problems? I guess I love that.
1: Actually, I like learning coding and learning new techniques and learning new languages to be able to teach. At this point, I would say that my desire to code for clients has been very, very diminished. But my desire to keep learning so that I can provide and break it down in ways that students can really understand and relate to that, that's my passion. And it has been my passion for the past two and a half years.
0: I think that's amazing. Let's let's talk a little bit about the learning path that are available for developers. I mean, I, there is this, this expectation of a learning path for most people in the technical space. It's usually either, hey, we want you to go through college, do an internship, go through junior programmer to senior programmer to you know other adjacent role, maybe an instructor. Uh, other ones can be Hey, you came in from another industry, you attended a boot camp and now you are, you know, in this role kind of starting over, how, how do you think, as an instructor, is the best way to equip developers for their future roles? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a dense question. Well, let, let's let's break it down a little bit. First of all, what are your thoughts on the ideas of like needing uh, a college experience to be a successful developer or needing a structured learning path? Because I have neither. I have neither college experience nor a uh, coding or boot camp background. I went the entire community taught, as Josh Pollock would say, route.
1: Got it. Okay, so... I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that you have to go through formal education. I can tell you this though: to, if you are just starting out to get your foot on the door, if you have, if you don't have experience, a degree, college degree, university degree will help you. However, if you can offset that by having experience to show, it might be to show some open source contributions that you have done, some volunteer work that you have done. Either way, if you can offset the lack of a degree with experience, that's good as well. I can tell you also this. A lot of people that I have interviewed over the course of the last few months, some of them, they don't have formal education. They don't have formal education in the the CS, in the computer science space. So sometimes they say, okay, I missed that. I missed that because for that job interview, I was not able to do it because I didn't have a CS degree. I just spoke with someone two weeks ago. He said that he was blocked from the big companies like Apple, Facebook, Google, because he did not have a computer science degree. So depending on your goals, you may not require a degree. You are just fine with some experience, maybe again, maybe some uh, open social experience, maybe some volunteer experience, but but without inexperience and without any proof that you have at least gone through some learning, it becomes a bit of a roadblock when you when you're gonna try to get your first your first job. You know, I mean, again, you don't have anything to prove there. So how how are you gonna approach uh, a potential employer without? One, experience, and about another one, any, any college education. Again, I think it's a hard position to be in.
0: I definitely agree with you. And the one thing that has helped me, and I'm actually going to be talking with someone uh, on a future show about this, because they were they felt blocked in a way because of their background and not being able to go to school because they were a full-time parent. Um, But I I do think that there are ways to show that experience without the traditional methods. And I mean, again, for me, I can say that because I I am a success story. And I, I do understand that there are other people that would like to do that, but don't necessarily have that pathway. I think one of the things that I really love about what you're doing is, you're highlighting both sides of it. You're teaching from a professional perspective, but you're also adding that other option, that third option with the introduction of your podcast, Solo Coder. You know, you're bringing people on from different walks, different types of backgrounds, different areas, and you're understanding how they personally were able to get to where they were and sometimes the answer isn't, you know, I got a computer science degree and I understand with that there comes limitations. I will never work for a Fane company, uh, not necessarily because I'm not qualified to. Honestly, I have no desire to. But then also I do understand that there are they have to have gates to filter out you know, the thousands of people that apply to every single job opportunity. So they kind of impose one artificially by saying, you know, what level of education do you have? And for me, I think that that's kind of a blind, you know, viewpoint that they're kind of missing out there because there are a lot of people that can't afford to go to school. And there are a lot of people that don't have the ability to necessarily make those decisions for themselves but they are able to contribute to open source. They are able to give talks at virtual conferences and at meetups and they are able to network. And I think that, you know, we call a lot of those things, you know, public speaking, communication skills, um, networking. We call those all soft skills, but in my opinion, those things are harder to teach and are not really something that you can get directly from a formal education background.
1: You cannot, and you are you are absolutely right. If a coder, a developer wants to, I guess that's get their name out there, you have to go those routes. You know, you have to go tr- through the route of somehow. Speaking, it might be creating content, creating courses, creating tutorials. It might be volunteering your local. Um, meet up in your local meet up i mean if there is no meet up in your place create one you know but if you want to establish yourself out there now i understand not everybody wants that yeah that's fine that's fine there is there is a place for every single you know profile out there but if you do want that again you cannot get that in a in a formal place like a college or university you have to push yourself you know and that's cliche very much cliche but again push yourself out of your comfort zone and put yourself
0: out there i think more and more formal education equips us for the junior developer role to move on to the next step where and there's nothing wrong with that it's just it's it's the same process and I'm not sure because I know you're you're based out of um, out of Canada. Um, I know in the U.S. there is a huge backlash on the formal education system in that you are putting people in debt so that they can get a job and spend the next two decades paying off the debt (laughs) where and this isn't this is not an opportunity to say, you know, Addison, how dare you teach people at at a college? It's not. It's actually a way to say thank you because what you're doing, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is you're combining the idea of here are the formal education routes and here are the examples of people in the industry that are doing the thing that you're aspiring to do. So that you can eliminate any thought of, well, how am I going to use this? Or how is this going to be effective for me?
1: And again, I'm not here defending, oh, you have to go to college or you have to go to university. No, I'm just saying that there are ways that that experience that you you go through there can benefit you beyond a course that you would acquire in a platform like, Udemy, you buy a course. You buy, let's say, uh, you know, a Node.js course there, and you're gonna you're gonna get to know Node.js there, the ins and outs, the technology part of that space. What I try to bring on top of that in a classroom environment, and right now in a virtual classroom environment, is, as you mentioned, I try to bring voices. From the industry, so they know what to expect out there, and I also try to go beyond the codes by doing what by advising them by by bringing a little bit of my twenty years of experience plus the years and years of experiences of all my guests that I had with with the podcast. So so I try to bring all of that in a package that makes the experience of my course worth it. So. There's a big point there that if you just go for college looking for the information, you can get that information cheaper somewhere else. You can get that information even more efficiently somewhere else. And I'm going to go back to Udemy or to any other online platforms out there, even for free on YouTube. But if you want to... And maybe there are some other ways to to do that outside of a college environment. Maybe a boot camp is a place for that. To be able to network and relate with other people and get more than just the coding side of things. Well, I think that there is something there for college. I'm not saying that every single instructor does that. And I'm not also saying that I'm a big deal because of that. I'm just saying that I try to bring a fresh spin to the traditional
0: environments. I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And the only the only thing that I would question with that is, is there a way that without completely overhauling the higher education system, because we know that that's, that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of energy and require more power that, than either one of us have, is there a way that we can start encouraging some of those other skills to be taught in a college setting? The idea of, hey, let's talk about actually presenting you know, the things that you're doing. Let's talk about giving talks at conferences. Let's talk about uh, what it's like to do stand-ups and to have to work within a scrum platform or to work in an agile shop. Because I think that that's the thing that to me you learn more in the workforce about how to do those things that I feel like we could we could just better equip people. Like, I'm not saying that people need to not go into debt to go get a college degree to make the job search easier. I'm just saying that if they're choosing to do that, I feel like they should really be rewarded by saying, we're going to give you a full equipping of everything that's needed to start beyond the entry level. Okay, so
1: college and university, you can you can you know I guess that you can understand that it's a it's a very top-down type of organization. So you you have you know the deans and the program coordinators and the chairs and then by the time that the message gets down to us instructors the, the Everything is so much formatted, it's so much this is what you're going to do in class and that's it. What I see happening not only with me, but some other instructors that are more forward thinking is that they bring those other elements, Jay, to class to improve the experience of their students. They bring things like workshops that would expose them, them the students, to those elements that we are talking about. How how do you speak in public? How do you do those elements that are not about C sharp? They are not about uh, JavaScript, Node.js, they're not about those. They they are the aspects that goes that go beyond the code. So I see this ground level initiative from certain individuals that to spice things up with their students, they bring those things. But the the challenge becomes how those aspects, they get, I would say, pushed upwards towards program coordinators, chairs, deans, so that eventually that can be a widespread initiative.
0: I like that. and and that gives me hope that, you know the the education system from a leadership perspective is always going to be a, a few years behind because when you take them out of you're giving, you know, you're teaching three or four times a day to now you are maybe teaching once a week, but also you are now responsible for the entire program. Uh, as like you said, as like a department chair or, you know, someone that is the dean of of that area. It it definitely becomes hard because you are so removed from the ever changing scope that is technology. And And I do want to talk. I want to kind of wrap this up by talking about the thing that you are doing, the thing that you're doing that I haven't I've seen a couple of people, a good example, of like Chuck Severance it does like a lot of online curriculum stuff, uh, but you have brought podcasting into the classroom and explain to me, you know, where the idea of Solo Coder, Coder came from and the value that you see uh, that it brings to your students um, on a it weekly basis now. Correct. So it's weekly. Yes. Uh, So the
1: original idea was about two years ago. I have the domain uh, for about two or three years, actually even longer than that. And the the concept was always to talk to coders. Actually, initially it was to to talk to coders about their their freelancing career. And then I put that on pause and I revealed that about a year ago when I started the podcast. Again, I said, you know what, this time around I'll be talking to coders in general, hopefully coders that are doing something different. And different like what? Well, coders that are talking, that are podcasting, that are doing YouTube, that are doing uh, community driven initiatives like meetups, that are doing open source, coders that are doing things beyond the traditional, I'm going to go to a big company. And I'm going to work for them, and that's what I want to do. So I wanted to bring those kinds of voices. Why? Because I came from that space. I I come from. I'm a coder myself. I've been. I've started YouTube and and social media about 20, about back in 2010, and I grew in a in an open source community back then, which I'm no I'm no longer part of. But I came from that background, and I and I. I knew how beneficial was that for me, for my career. And I said, why people don't leverage that more? Why people don't do that more? So I said, how can I bring this kind of thought process to my students that they can see that there is more to their careers than just a nine to five job that they go and they go for years and years? How can I show them something else beyond just the traditional coding. And that's where I said, no, I'm going to start to interview people in the industry, but not only only people that are going to their nine-to-five jobs, but people that, yes, they may have a nine-to-five job as a coder, but they are doing something else. It might be open source. It might be contributing to a podcast, to a YouTube channel, live stream coding, Whatever it is, but something interesting that it's beyond that. So, so that's that's where the idea came from, and the benefits of of that initiative to the students. I mean, they they are. I, I hear from students over and over again how useful this this insight was from that guest. Actually, one semester ago, I usually have a, a bonus. Uh, assignments every single week. And as part of that bonus, I have them listening to the episode of that week and tell me either three takeaways or one or two questions that I should have asked that guest because then that would involve them even further. It's a bonus. It's not mandatory. But hey, go listen to the podcast. Tell me what I should have done better there. Tell me your your takeaways. So those things start to open up their horizons to, oh, this person here is doing this uh, contribution to open source, maybe I could do that as well. Maybe that's an option for me too. Maybe I'm, I I can start putting my name out there doing this thing. Because a lot of students come to me asking, how do I get started? I, the first thing that I do is, are you part of a meetup? Did you join a meetup in the technology that you are more inclined to work with? If not, go for it. And this, is, this was only one hint that I'll give to them as part of try to put your name out there. Try to put yourself out there and look at all those people that I talked to. Look what they are doing. There are so many options. Not, there is no single format for you to do that. There are many, many different vehicles that you can leverage to get your name out there. That's it.
0: Hey, you've been listening to my conversation with Addison Oliveira. Addison, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Uh, when we recorded that, we had some technical issues and we got them all resolved. Hopefully I got that edited pretty clean and uh, you didn't even notice. But that tells you how professional he was. Uh, it was a breath of fresh air working with someone who uh, puts out a show every week, just like I do. Someone that is... Uh, always trying to stay ahead of the game, always trying to learn and always trying to teach and encourage others to learn as well. Uh, It was, it was a really cool uh, session with him, but of course that's going to do it for this episode, but wait, it's not because there's going to be an after show as soon as the music stops. Uh, So be sure to check that out uh, when it's done. And, yeah, this one, I don't think it was a long after show, but it was it was a pretty good one still. Of course, there's always questions to be asked um, of me and, and kind of diving deeper into the conversation. I'm looking forward to some of the next uh, episodes, the next few interviews. we got some fun ones coming up, but I'm going to leave that to you. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a good rest of the week and i will see y'all again in the next episode again i've been jay miller if you want to hit me up with some comments questions concerns complaints uh anything negative just toss me in the trash if it's positive help me feel better do so on twitter at kjaymiller or of course you can always check out some of the stuff that i'm doing at kjaymiller.com there'll be a link in the show notes all that stuff but that's gonna do it for this episode we have the after show coming up after this I've been your host, Jay Miller. This has been The Pit Show. I will talk to you later. All right. Well, I've already explained the rules. You got as little or as long as you want to take. I am your guest. This is your show. From this point on, the floor is yours.
1: Got it. Okay. Okay. So let's start with this. Where are you taking Productivity in Tech now that you are going to be a full time with a company? Where are you taking it?
0: So Productivity in Tech, the podcast, isn't going to change. Um, I've already cleared that with them. Um, that was one of my stipulations was that I still get to do interviews. Um, the only the only, I think, stipulation there was that I can't do interviews with my coworkers on this show and that I can't uh, obviously bash the company on the show, which, you know, those are all understandable. I get that. Uh, the business is slowing down a little bit. I'm, I'm not necessarily stopping at all. Uh, it is just now the barrier to entry and becoming a client is going to be a little bit higher because my time is going to be a little less. Uh, so that said, Pitt has always been this way for me to grow as a developer. Uh, the projects that I've created because of Pit are some of my most successful, some of my most, you know, the ones that I'm the most passionate about. And I don't see that stopping. Uh, that I have no plans of stopping it, but if I am going to take on new work, it has to be with the understanding that uh, my responsibilities at my day job do have to take priority.
1: Got it, and as you said, your responsibilities will take priority. How are you planning to organize your, your seasons uh, with your new duties in mind?
0: So I'm really liking the format that we came up with this year of a of like the interview slash next step slash like interview slash reflection slash interview. Uh, At the end of the year, we're going to we're just going to be like pumping out interviews because we have a lot queued up. And I think that's great. That's awesome. That was not expected. Uh, But. I think going forward, we're probably going to stick with that format of every other week, there'll be an interview. And then in the weeks in between, there will be a reflection from me talking about uh, developer current events, talking about lessons that I've learned uh, that week, talking about, you know, interesting tips and tricks that I've I've figured out. Um, Pitt has always been one that evolves, that's able to roll with the punches. Uh, There have been times where we've only done one episode a month. There have been times we did, like, more than one episode a week. Uh, I always tell people it's a roller coaster. Following me with anything that I do is a roller coaster. But if you feel brave enough to ride it, then come on. Got it, got it.
1: What's what's more or less the profile of a good guest for you?
0: I want I want someone that's not expecting... I think that's that's the, the the best thing for me is I want somebody that is going to say. Let me throw all expectations out the window and let's just do it, because that's the hardest part is everyone comes in wanting to know what we're going to talk about, wanting to have an answer to the question and. I have learned so much from the questions that don't get asked. You know, like even in this conversation, you know, to to spoil the the prep work, my original thought was we were going to talk about teaching in like a COVID-19 world. And it never came up. I mean, it came up a little bit, but it never really came up. And the pathway that we took was one that was so unique that I never We would not have had this conversation had it been scripted. Had we said, here's question one, here's question two, here's question three. The lessons that we pulled out of this conversation would have never happened. So for me, the best profile for someone on my show is someone that is not expecting the standard show. Someone that is able to say, you know what, I want to have a good conversation I just interviewed someone who's not even in the tech space. They're a clinical psychologist. Like, I want to have good conversations that are going to help people in the tech industry. So there is no metric to what a guest looks like or what a guest does professionally that makes them a good guest. The only thing that makes them a good guest is the ability to come in and say, Let's have a conversation and let's do it in a way that people are gonna benefit from it.
1: You just mentioned about metrics there. I want you to go deeper in that point over there, but in a different angle. How crazy obsessed are you with your metrics?
0: I don't I don't do analytics. <laughs> that's if if we're talking like my websites, like I don't have analytics on, there are no trackers, there are none of those things. Um, if we're talking about the podcast, my metrics are feedback. Um, we have our pit community. It's a Slack channel. It's got like a hundred people in it. Now there's about 20 people that are pretty active in it. And honestly, their feedback is like my biggest metric. When I have someone that comes in and says, oh man, that last show that you did with Addison. Amazing. Like that's, that's the metric that I have. Or when someone says, hmm. This was a really good question that challenged my way of thinking. That those are the metrics that I follow. If the numbers I've learned the numbers are going to go up and down, like sometimes I might interview somebody that's, you know, pretty popular or famous or whatever, or I'll go on a show and there might be like a um a numbers growth from that. But ultimately at the same time, like there's a there's a song. Uh, from an artist that I I really like named Ruslan. he actually lives like 30 minutes west of me, which is kind of cool. Like we've we've sat down and like had lunch. So, uh, but one of the things that he says is if I can reach just one, you know, if I can touch one, if I could do for one, what I would do for millions. Like, and that's the mindset that I have is I I always want to have conversations as if I'm talking or providing content for just one person. Because if I help that one person, I, it's, I call it a success. That's
1: awesome. Again, awesome to have that kind of mindset that your expectation is to serve this community. And if somebody else outside of the community here is also benefiting, that's a plus. But is anyone benefiting from this? If the answer is yes, that's a net positive and, and you are happy with that. I love that. We like
0: it. I mean I, I guess the conversation would be different like if no one ever downloaded the episodes like I can see like just from podcast hosts they'll say like oh you know you had like I'm gonna throw a random number out there it's not the actual number if they said like you had like two people download then I would be like, okay, something isn't right something needs to be fixed but I mean in terms of like whether it's a hundred a 1, thousand ten thousand a hundred thousand, I don't care as long as I can help someone. Which I might have to go help my daughter. It sounds like she's throwing a fit. Is it? Do you want <laughs> to go there? Uh I I have my, one. I have one last I have a last one, okay. I think. L- let's wrap
1: it up. Okay? Let's let's do it with that one. <laughs> yes. So the funniest or the most unexpected moment situation that you had throughout the history of your podcast?
0: Um oh that's a good one. That's one that I'm not.
1: Or the one that completely throw you off? And I said, oh, my God, I don't know what to do now.
0: So a long time ago, like this is this is actually I think you have to go to like the Internet Archive to have the, to hear this conversation. Um, actually, no, even better. Best one that I had was an interview that I did this year with Melanie Crutchfield. And Melanie was one of the first people that I met in the tech space. Like I when I went to a San Diego Python meetup, she was there. She had just built a Django app, and that's still around today called a Five Up app, which is amazing. But she knew so little Python, and that was like the coolest thing ever. Was that she would be the first to tell you, like, I got so much help getting this off the ground. I had an idea, and I wanted to to just see it succeed and see it be out there. And that taught me a lot about the expectation of developers like you don't have to be an excellent developer to have success in the industry you have to have some skill set like you need to make sure that you're not like introducing like intentionally introducing bugs into the code but at the same time in most cases it's not going to be about just you it's not going to be just about your code it's going to be about the collaborative experience And the things that your team as a whole are able to produce and the things that you can bring to the table can can complement the other skill sets for other folks. So you may not be the best at figuring out, you know, code optimization, but you can document your code so well that. When it goes to be optimized, it's really easy to do. And when you start to build an API off of it, it's really easy to do because it's so well-documented. Like you can, you can have skill sets that are outside of what everyone wants to have, which is to be the best programmer in the world, that make you successful in the things that you're trying to do. And I think that's the thing that that blew my mind because, again, for so long... I was doing all these individual coding projects to show that I had the skills to be an excellent developer. But when it came time to get hired, my skills were never tested. The only thing that was asked of me was what outside of writing code are you able to bring to the team? We can teach you how to write the code. We can teach you how to, to fit into the, the technical platform. What we can't teach you is to have good communication skills. What we can't teach you is how to have good like body presence when you're talking or being allowed to let your silence do the talking for you. We can't teach those things. So we need those skill sets to come in. And my conversation with Melanie really showed that because she was someone who was unapologetically like, I did not have these skills. I still don't have a lot of these skills. But what I can bring to the table is the ability to organize and manage and find the people that are capable of solving these these problems in a way that my projects still have success.
1: Awesome. That's a nice way to wrap things up, Jay. Thanks so much for that, okay?
0: Awesome. I'm going to cut the recording there.